deal out of you when they found the plane. Huge memorial service, new album. It's a new album? Yeah. God, it was everywhere. It was the greatest hits thing. Hello, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 321, entitled Greatest Hits. This is the 70th hour of the series, and there are 51 to go. And with that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary for the episode. And in the episode, Ben Linus orders 10 of the others to go to the survivor's camp to kidnap any pregnant women that night a night earlier than was scheduled. Alex persuades her boyfriend Carl to canoe to the survivor's beach to warm them. Jack plans to kill the ambushing others with dynamite, retrieved by Danielle Rousseau. Saeed, Jin, and Bernard are selected to stay behind and shoot the dynamite-rigged tents when the others arrive. Desmond tells Charlie about his latest premonition. Claire and her baby Aaron will escape the island via helicopter if... Charlie flips a switch in a Dharma Initiative station and drowns. Saeed tells Jack he may be able to communicate with the freighter, roughly 130 kilometers offshore. He can use Naomi's satellite phone. Once disabling Rousseau's distress signal, Juliet informs Saeed that this will not work because the underwater looking glass is blocking outgoing transmissions. Saeed realizes a cable he found 70 days before connects to this station and that they need someone to go on a probable suicide mission there, and Charlie volunteers. Naomi tells Charlie that his band Driveshaft released a successful Greatest Hits album after the crash of Flight 815. Flashbacks show Charlie's greatest hits of his life in descending order, which Charlie writes down and gives them Desmond for Claire. Those greatest hits are number five, the first time he hears his band's breakout song on the radio, Number four, when his father Simon taught him how to swim. Number three, the time his brother Liam gave him their grandfather's DS ring. Number two, when Charlie saved a woman that he didn't know from being mugged and being called a hero. That woman, of course, was Nadia. And number one, the night following the crash when he met Claire. Before paddling out to the looking glass with Desmond, Charlie assures Claire that he will be fine, kisses her goodbye, and leaves his ring on Aaron's crib. After diving underwater and entering the station, two others named Greta and Bonnie appear with guns aimed at Charlie. So with that rather tidy Wikipedia summary there, one that I thought was particularly well-written, whatever anonymous person did that, uh, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. A a wonderful episode, a wonderful way to, to, I don't want to say wrap things up for the season, but this being the final one-hour episode of season three tumultuous season, a season that's had its uh, its uh, weak points. What an absolutely fantastic uh, episode this is. So heartfelt, so tender. And uh, let's get into it. The episode opens with mysterious running. There's some especially frantic camera work with someone who we can't quite see pushing a canoe in the water. It's jarring, and it almost feels as though we've started mid-story. Uh, of course we have. Uh, made me wonder if 
some decision was made in the editorial process to change up how this episode was perhaps initially scripted. Uh, this mysterious person is, of course, Carl, who's coming, uh, having uh, having shared, uh, you know, or trying to share news that uh, the others are coming tonight and not tomorrow night. Um, it is slightly strange that at one point later in the episode we essentially flash back to uh, to uh, before the chronology. I, I guess it would be to earlier in the day, right? I, I believe that the card says six hours earlier. Um, it's not a formal flashback because the flashbacks are tied to uh, to Charlie. But anyhow, it certainly isn't. It, it's an interesting that uh, and an opening that is interesting. That is to say, and hooks you in. With that, we cut to Jack, Juliet, Saeed, Hurley, Desmond, Claire, and Charlie, all working, uh, walking out in a nice straight line uh, to what Hurley terms as secret stuff. Of course, it's nice that they're lined up in a row so we can see who's joined us for this episode. Uh, Jack proclaims that they're here and explains that Juliet told him everything, and Juliet recaps what she's been doing, leaving tapes in the medical hatch, etc., with that, Jack calls for Danielle, and suddenly we're ahead of the show for once. We saw her in the Black Rock getting dynamite a few episodes ago, and it didn't quite make sense, but now it does. Uh, and indeed, what we see next is, uh, is that dynamite in action. She presses two wires connected to a battery, presses those wires together, and boom, a whole tree gets taken out by a fireball. It did make me briefly wonder as to the logistics of this all. Can you just blow up a tree where they are um i vaguely recall that they're filming on private property uh so i suppose if they're cool you blowing up a tree blow up a tree but i just wondered what it takes to blow up a tree while filming lost uh and indeed i'm pretty sure they they did actually do it it it, it does look completely real with this jack begins to speechify about needing to stop the running and about having a plan to finally strike back against the others now, I hadn't intended to record what he said. I really don't like starting clips so early. Uh, I feel it kind of ruins the the emphasis of the show, or at least of the podcast. And usually it means I'll be doing a ton of clips, which does you know make watching the, the episode longer. But it was just some of the best damn Jack that we've had all season. Take a listen. So I went out and I found some help. And for the past few days, she's been bringing dynamite back from the Black Rock. For the very first time, we know exactly what they want, when they're coming to get it, and they have no idea. And we're going to be waiting for them. So Juliet's going to mark the tents with the white rocks just like she was told to. But there's not going to be any pregnant women inside. There's going to be plenty of what we just used on that tree. So tomorrow night, we stop hiding. We stop running. We stop living in fear of them. Because when they show up, we're going to blow them all to hell. And that, boys and girls, is how you write a teaser act. Do you feel teased? Do you feel hooked in for tonight's episode? Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And well-earned. It's the kind of thing that you can't get in the beginning of the season or the middle of the season. You need the trials and tribulations of the previous 20 episodes and beyond. Uh, to earn that that moment there. So with that, we head to the title card, come back f- uh, from it, and it's a rainy van, and the brothers Pace are fighting about having a, uh, a gig in the butt crack of nowhere. 
Charlie, at this point, just announces that he's quitting the band. Uh, of course, uh, we're in flashback, if you can't tell. Uh, and with that, they have that, that vaunted band moment uh, that I'm sure every band has a story to, uh, you know, a version of this to tell, uh, where they hear their song on the radio for the first time. It is of course, you all, everybody. Why not? With that, the flashback ends, and Naomi asks uh, who our heroes are going to war with. Uh, I wonder if you're if this is your first episode of Lost, you might be asking the exact same thing. Charlie amusingly says it's too long to tell, which I think is, <laughs> if nothing else, it's meant to reward us for all our all our hard work in wa- uh, watching. Uh, Charlie also learns that they uh, that they made a big deal about the dead rock star himself back home, including having a wait for it greatest hits album because the episode is called greatest hits you see <sighs> anyhow the story moves to rousseau wiring up tents uh, and the show moves to kind of almost a west wing-esque walk and talk uh for as jack leaves the tent saeed saeed joins in uh in an uncut shot or as part of the uncut shot uh he talks about getting rid of rousseau's signal to allow for a clear sat phone call Lots of mixing things together in, in, in the recap pot, if you will. Then comes some goodly exposition. Juliet explains, finally, in a natural and organic way, as the best exposition should be, that the Dharma station, uh, a Dharma station is being manned, or as we'll learn, womaned, uh, by others, and that it is that station that's blocking all outgoing signals. She has that adds that it's underwater, called the looking glass station but she doesn't know where it is Said says he thinks it is he thinks he knows where it is now consider that it was about the eighth episode of the first season when Said uh found that cable that that goes out to the station a cable that you know he followed inward brought us to Danielle um and a cable that noticed that we were reminded of a few episodes ago when uh, the exposition, I mean, you know, not that Said was reminded about it, but we, the audience, were uh, when there was the uh, expedition to find the uh, unnamed parachutist. Uh, and now we're going to finally actually see where that cable goes. Just absolutely, absolutely fantastic stuff. Talk about a long, uh, you know, a long bit of uh, oh mystery to chew over. I wonder if these mysteries are often tied to Said. I mean, he was the one along with Sun Jin, who saw the, uh, the, uh, the, the statue's foot. Uh, was that the end of season one? I believe it was. So, mysteries abound, certainly. Uh, with that, the story moves to Charlie and Claire, talking about what if the other's attack is successful. Uh, but Desmond pulls him away, now ready to tell Charlie about another flash before his eyes about death. Desmond says he saw Claire and Aaron leaving on a chopper. And it's a great acting moment out of both of them. Charlie is elated, but Desmond is somber. There won't be any rescue, he explains, without Charlie's death. This lands with a thud, but a soft one, I think, for, for us in the audience. It's been a slow evolution for we Charlie fans to accept that Charlie will die. And now it's clear that it's happening soon. And indeed, as I'll, as I'll get into as the episode goes on, uh, part of the trick of this episode is to make us think that tonight's the night. With that, we go to the act break. Then flashback, Charlie is afraid to jump in the pool. 
Dad promises to catch him, and although Dad doesn't, Charlie swims for the first time. Speaking of first time, those first time viewers might at this point start to piece together that there is an underwater hatch, and there is a swimming Charlie boy, and there is an island Charlie that's supposed to die soon, and kind of see, I don't want to say the hand of the writer, but see the, the edges of the story here and see that they're all meant to work together. That the flashback ends, and it's now the second time that we're seeing Charlie writing something. Memories, it seems. Uh, he calls it nothing, uh, in, in, but in part because it's counting down, um, you know, the, the mystery catches our eye. And, uh, of course, why is the show going to spoil the mystery with 30 minutes to go still in the episode? Charlie then asks uh, to be told how he will die. And the acting out of uh, Henry Ian Cusick here is particularly wonderful. His Desmond shows the weight of the world on his shoulders as he describes being in a room with switches as Charlie drowns, but not before that one uh, switch was flipped. Uh, and at this point, there's a slightly slick story moment. Charlie asks where this place is, and then, boom, the story cuts to Saeed talking about the Looking Glass station. What follows is direct exposition. Get there. Turn, the blo- turn off the blocking stuff. Uh, get to use the satellite phone. There's even a moment where it sounds like they have re-recorded Saeed saying something about the satellite phone, uh, perhaps to really hammer home something that wasn't as clear as they needed it to be. Uh, this, of course, being a kind of a two-pronged maneuver, you know, turn off the looking glass and make the satellite call, uh, perhaps in conjunction with turning off Rousseau's signal. You know, it's, it's information that must be terribly, terribly clear ahead of the finale. Anyhow, with that, Charlie walks up and volunteers, though Jack vetoes it, saying that for 90 days he's been asked to make decisions, and now he is. Harumph. With that, we cut to some of our other characters, including Rose and Bernard. Yay! They're tying wires for those dynamite bombs. After Rose and Bernard, uh, the camera and story uh, moves to Sun telling Jin how she saw the baby on the ultrasound, It's a touching moment, uh, though she, of course, is unwilling to tell him the rest, that she must get off the island or die. Which, you know, there's so much that the show has to be um, juggling in a finale or in the the finale episodes as they head towards the end of the season. I really wish that the show um, beat that drum a bit more, that, you know, she has to get off the island or she will die. Now, the flip side, I suppose, is they don't want to beat that drum too much so that we spend the two-hour finale trying to figure out in the chronology when Jack had a beard, which certainly was my experience the first time seeing the season three finale, trying to figure out when does this fit with the other parts that we know about his past, only to be absolutely blown away that it is not the past, it's the future. So I suppose there's, there's two ways to argue it, certainly. Anyhow, with that, uh, Hurley sees something, and it's a canoe. Hey, that's the canoe that we saw at the very start of the episode. That certainly works out well, right? It is, of course, Carl, who runs up the beach, and Saeed tackles the ever-loving crap out of him. Uh, of course, Saeed sees him as an other, and Sawyer's there to say, no, 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 he's a, you know, he's, he's cool peeps. Um, Carl, of course, is bringing news that we knew, uh, news that we didn't know, 
And then Carl way oversells it because he says they're coming tonight. Pause. They're coming right now. It's frankly laughable. And it's one of the rare times in the show where overacting is so blatant. I mean, it really is. It's just silly. I mean, because in fact, they're not coming right now. I mean, yes, they are in that they're making the trip. But they're not like right around the corner and everybody has to act immediately. You still have until nighttime. Because this is not an assault. It's it's a taking of the women. It's not, you know, some, you know, front on commando style stuff. So shame on you, Carl, for being so direct. At any rate, uh, it, it is this, uh, they're coming right now, that ends the act. And after the act break, we're at the other's camp. And curiously, it's six hours ago. Again, I wonder if this was meant to to open the episode. Um, and they just moved the, uh, you know, they moved the chronology around a bit. Alex is skinning a rabbit. Uh, ben returns. She asks where Locke is, and Ben sneeringly answers very accurately. Even though it seems indirect, he answers, here's your gun back. Mm. Anyhow, it's vicious. It's a vicious answer, and Ben continues, giving orders to take all the women and kill any men who cause trouble. That, in turn, leads to Alex running to the secret Carl lair to tell our heroes that baddies are in route. Oh, now it makes sense, of course. The show uh, sensibly reuses footage from the top of the show with uh, some clear shots of Carl intercut. Uh, and it concludes with a particularly beautiful long shot of Carl uh, with what I'm assuming is the sun rising sky. Although it didn't quite seem like morning, you know, full on early morning uh, in uh, the, the other's camp. Maybe it's nitpicky, I don't know. But anyhow, uh, flashback over. Carl declares that Juliet is a spy, and he recounts all her secret spy stuff. And kudos to Elizabeth Mitchell, who drolly retorts, They know Carl. With that, high-paced dialogue ensues. Uh, with there not being enough wire for the dynamite, then a plan to shoot the dynamite by the Mark Tents. Uh, it's, at this point, really feeling freaking cool at this point. It's action, action, action being planned along with Charlie being asked again to take that swim. Jack has decided it is now important. With that, we flash back to Charlie in bed with two lovely birds. Uh, it's clearly the wild and crazy days of the band, although Liam reveals that Charlie is the only drug-free rock star in the world. So obviously that's meant to put it more towards the beginning of his, uh, of his rock and roll story. With this, Liam bestows the DS ring uh, onto Charlie, which now has some dodgy history of being a family heirloom named for Dexter Stratton. Um, I rather like it that if you know if it was just some ring meant to commemorate the second tour of Finland, uh, as it was originally presented uh, back in the piled episode. I kind of prefer that. I feel like they're kind of forcibly retconning. You know, this Dexter Stratton business in there. Was there really some great-grandfather who had his initials on an ostentatious ring? Eh, you know. Anyhow, why does Liam give it to him? It's given over because Charlie is the one who Liam knows is going to get married and have a family and live a long life. Get it? The show's being ironic. Flashback over. We see that Charlie's uh, reflected on that scene, too. 
for it's his number three on his mysterious list. He wanders over to Claire, who apparently has a freaking giant boom mic near the opening of her tent. I was shocked to see that Lostpedia doesn't mention that. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's it's only in the scene for for a moment, but it's probably. I don't know, 12 inches, 10 inches of a boom mic that you can see very clearly on screen. Uh, Very egregious error. Anyway, they talk about how Claire shouldn't worry about him and Charlie assuring her that uh, he'll be back. Certainly is a sad, soaked scene as Charlie believes, and more importantly, we believe too, that he's going to die. Unlike previous shocking deaths, we're seeing uh, here the long, slow goodbye to one of the great characters of the show. See you soon. Be careful, Charlie. Okay? Yeah. Here they kiss, and I think it's clear that the music tells us it's a kiss goodbye. somber note the act ends like when we return we're in flashbacks where charlie's playing wonderwall again curiously no desmond this time though it's to be expected i suppose that he played that song for spare change in many places walking home he sees uh, a woman being mugged and uh, in one of the rather out of the blue bits of casting it's nadia you know saeed's nadia Uh, he scares the mugger off and she thanks him saying that three people walked past the mugging, but he didn't, and that makes him a hero. It's number two on his list. Flashback over, Charlie and Desmond are preparing to make the trip to the Looking Glass. Note that the show continues to push the notion that the whole station is flooded, something Juliet has said and something that's repeated here in this scene. Gee, they repeat it so many times, I'm sure it'll stick in our minds for when we see that It's exactly like they planned for, right? Anyhow, the story moves to Bernard showing his marksmanship because he wants to be part of the shooting group. Rose, ever reliable, says that she wants to stay behind too. And Jack gives a fantastically fatalistic perspective on it all. Then I'm staying too. No, you're not, Rose. Everyone's gathering down at the south end of the beach. No one's staying behind with the shooters. Says who? You want to give me your word that nothing's going to happen to my husband? Then I'll go. I'll give you my word that if we don't kill everyone who shows up here in about an hour, it's not going to matter where Bernard is. I like you better since you got back, Jack. You're almost an optimist. What a fantastic little bit of writing, isn't it? It's just, uh, just so on the nose, so true. Uh, and I suppose so true in Jack's personality as well. He's not going to sugarcoat the truth. Anyhow, Rose and Bernard step away, and Jack and Saeed debate who will stay and shoot and who will go to the radio tower. And Saeed, you know, almost plays for Jack the Moses card. Jack, lead our people out of bondage and to the radio tower to taketh us home. 
Then the story moves to what will turn out to be the final Hurley and Charlie scene, at least in in the uh, uh, you know in, in the sense of both of them being alive. Hurley wants to join them, and Charlie, knowing in a big sense what the risks are ahead, pushes him away. Because you're too big. You won't fit in the boat. Sound cool, man. Wait! 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 Dude, it's fine. I don't even want to go in your stupid boat. Catch up with you later. Just remember I love you, man. Yeah, whatever. I love you, too. Sniff, sniff, it ends the act. After the break, it's action time at camp as everyone packs up. And here we go again, says Kate. Here we go again, says Jack. Uh, It really is feeling like the end of the season, or or at least heading towards it. A huge sense of pacing, uh, people packing up, Giacchino's fast beat, the overall pace of things coming to an end. Story moves to Charlie and Desmond, finding that infamous wire and paddling out to its source. Then we flash back to a starry sky, and, surprisingly, the first night on the island. Charlie spots Claire. He offers her a second blanket. We can predict that this is indeed his number one. So, first plane crash. What gave it away? You can always spot the newbies. We're going to be okay, you know. Are we? We're alive. We're on a beautiful island. We sleep under the stars, and before you know it, the helicopters will come and take us all home. You really think they'll find us? Well, yeah, why wouldn't they? Thanks. I'm Charlie. I'm Claire. Nice to meet you, Charlie. Nice to meet you. Sure enough, it's written down as number one, the night I met you. I have to admit, at this point, rewatching the episode, I started to tear up, and the majesty of Charlie's list as his five best moments of his life comes into focus. His greatest hits, he tells us. At this point, Desmond offers to do the swim for him, a deal I think that we'd be willing to make despite all that Desmond will do in the subsequent three seasons. You know, I had forgotten that Desmond actually commits to it, uh, and he's all set to jump in, but not before Charlie clocks him in the head, saying, you're not supposed to take my place, brother. At this point, I couldn't help but reflect on the twist that the episode would still have in store. They set it up as a funeral for Charlie, a soft goodbye in which we commit to the fact that he's going to die at the end of it all. Now for us on the return trip, it's a bit of a mashup, of course, his goodbye here, his death in the subsequent two-parter. But think of it from the first-timer point of view, 
there's a surprise coming up in the last two minutes of the episode that he doesn't die. Anyhow, with that, Charlie looks around one more time, then in he goes. One last lingering shot of his shoe, the shoe that had his drugs in way back when this adventure started, uh, and it certainly adds to the sense of things being final. He makes his way down to the station, he starts to panic underwater, only to find that... Hey, there's air down there. And of course, he turns quickly triumphant, though not for long. others what is going on quite the hook to end the episode to take us into the season finale also from a side production note yeah, it's the return of the show's wet set the caves were built here not in the the dharma uh, uh, location of course but in the actual you know uh, tv uh, uh, soundstage that they're at uh, the caves were built here and now it's the looking glass and the temple will will be built here uh, as well. Quite an episode, quite a quite a surprising ending for those first time viewers, and uh, certainly one that pulls at your heartstrings. And then let's go at the end. Uh, I think to the great effect of us, you know, looping back around at the end where Charlie, you know, Charlie uh, gives gives that last measure of his devotion in order to uh, to save uh, Claire and Aaron. But that's certainly a, you know, a couple episodes ahead, an episode or two ahead, depending on how you slice the cake. Let's wrap this one up, take a look at Lostpedia, uh, which says this, Charlie's fourth greatest hit, uh, in which young Charlie is about to jump in the pool. Uh, there's a voice from a little boy heard in the background saying, Desmond, come on. This began a theory that Desmond is in Charlie's past, not including the flash in Flashes Before Your Eyes. I'll admit I did not hear that uh, that uh, voice, but I'll take Lostpedia at its word, certainly. And I guess I don't know why they put it there other than to maybe, maybe it was some thread that they wanted to pursue and then ultimately didn't, or, or what have you. Uh, also from Lostpedia, Driveshaft's van has the vanity plate YRE2OL, which is meant to be read as You're Too Old, uh, spelled backwards. It is uh, Lottery, L-O-T-E-R-Y, or Losery, a reference to the band's popularity prior to the flashback. I suppose that all works. Uh, also, Charlie puts away his guitar in the rain, and we see a sticker that reads, I was here moments ago. Lostpedia wonders if this is a reference to Flashes Before Your Eyes, where Desmond finds Charlie in the same location. Also, and I only mentioned this uh, bit of trivia here because it's an example of Lostpedia being so specific. Uh, 
Charlie uses a Shub guitar capotasto on the second fret. The actual song by Oasis makes use of the same resource. So there you go for all you Shub guitar capotastos fans. Uh, A bit more interestingly, uh, we are told the t-shirt Charlie wears in this episode has four Chinese words, Yang Ki and Ji Nan, which means courage and faith, respectively. Hopefully I have not completely butchered the Chinese here. Uh, Last but not least, uh, the initials on the ring that Liam gives Charlie, DS, stand for Dexter Stratton, the name of their great-grandfather on their mother's side. Ostpedia notes the irony that Liam was the one to marry. And then they mention, interestingly, in season one, uh, both Charlie and Liam are seen together wearing DS rings. Either this is a continuity error, or perhaps the band, uh, once the band became successful, they had uh, one or more replica rings made with Liam keeping the original heirloom. Although I would disagree with that little last statement there. Perhaps it would be Charlie who kept it because, you know, he still has it. That certainly is implied by this episode. With that, let's look ahead to next week's uh, episode, which of course brings us to the beginning of the end of the season. It is Through the Looking Glass, uh, as I've done with uh, the previous two-hour finales, uh, and indeed as the show's own episode count has done, uh, I will be treating the two-hour finale as two separate episodes and releasing them back-to-back weeks. So next week will be episode 322, uh, Through the Looking Glass Part 1, followed by its second half the following week. And I'm certainly looking forward to that. It's been, uh, it's been some time since I've seen that finale. Uh, and of course, it was uh, dialogue from the end of Through the Looking Glass Part 2, which was the very first thing heard in connection to this podcast, uh, my little teaser commercial, whatever you want to call it, the thing to get my foot through the door at iTunes which I'm sure I'll, I'll replay at the end of that episode just for uh, the sake of reflection. So just amazing to think that we are, at least in terms of seasons, we are, uh, you know, one 80-minute episode or, or two, two uh, shorter episodes away from uh, being halfway through the season count on this. And of course, I imagine season four will go very quickly, given that it's the shortest season and whatnot, but... Certainly, uh, well, I suppose we can reflect on that journey as we uh, get a bit closer to it. So with that, if you'd like to share feedback, the best way is to say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. Call the listener line, 732-707-1815. Send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com or leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So thank you, as always, for joining me on this uh, extended return trip over Lost. And I will talk to you all again next week for Through the Looking Glass Part 1. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye.